Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with preserving the family inheritance as we pick up in Ruth chapter 4, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. God wanted to preserve the family inheritances in Israel. So the next of kin could come in and take your part or your place in the purchasing or the repurchasing of the land. So when Naomi and Elimelech had moved to Moab, they had sold their parcel, and according to the revisionary clause, the time was up, and now it was again coming on the block, the time to redeem it. So he said... uh, You know, Naomi is getting ready to sell this parcel. She can't redeem it. The right of redemption is yours, and if you're going to redeem it, then redeem it. If not, there's no one except me after you, and so what do you want to do? And the fellow says, well, I'll redeem it. And so Boaz said unto him, in the day that you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead Upon his inheritance. In other words, you're going to have to take Ruth as, your, as, as a wife and, and have a son in order that the name of the inheritance might continue. And the fellow says, Oh man, that would mess up my own inheritance. In other words, he's already married and he already had children uh, lined up for an inheritance. They said, Man, my wife wouldn't go for that. We can't handle that one. He said to Boaz, Why don't you redeem it? And so Boaz was very happy about that turn of events. And so the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself lest I mess up my own inheritance. You redeem it. Take the right to thyself for I cannot redeem it. Now there was a custom in the former times. Now this custom died out. However, it is interesting. Um, There was a lady recently in Israel who tried to get her brother-in-law to enact this old law because her husband died. And uh, so uh, she tried to get him to uh, marry her and all to fulfill the, the ancient law and all, and he refused to do it. And so she insisted that he take off, she sued him over the thing and take off his shoes so she could spit in his face and all. And so uh, they did go through this ceremony of, of recent vintage in Israel, but actually it was a custom that uh, died out uh, in, in, in time, but it is saying in the, in the older days they did have this custom. So the book of Ruth was written some, uh, at some later date. And so he's recording, now this was the manner in the former times in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing. For to confirm all things, a man had to take off his shoe and give it to his neighbor. And this was the testimony in Israel. So uh, the fellow took off his shoe and handed it to Boaz. Therefore, the kinsman said to Boaz, buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe. And Boaz said to the elders and to the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and Malon's of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife. 
to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead is not cut off from among his brethren and the gate of his place. You are witnesses this day. So I have purchased the whole thing, all that belonged to Naomi and to Elimelech and to Melon and Chilion, and I have purchased Ruth to be my wife. Now, here is an interesting case where because of his love for Ruth, he bought the field in order that he might obtain the bride. His primary interest was not the field at all. He was a very mighty man of wealth. He didn't need any more fields. But he bought the field in order to obtain the bride. And in that, he becomes a very beautiful picture of Jesus Christ who bought the world in order that he might purchase his bride, the church, out of the world. Jesus purchased the world in order to take his treasure. So in the kingdom parables, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man going through a field, discovering a treasure who for the joy thereof immediately goes out and sells all that he has in order that he might buy the field and obtain the treasure. So Jesus, seeing the treasure, his church, his bride within the world, bought the whole world in order to take his bride out of it. Beautiful, beautiful sort of a parallel here with Boaz and Ruth and Jesus and the church. And all the people that were in the gate and the elders said, We are the witnesses, and the Lord make the woman that is come unto thine house like Rachel and Leah, which too did build the house of Israel, and do thou worthily in Euphrates and be famous in Bethlehem. And let thy house be like the house of Pharaoh's, whom Tamar bare unto Judah of the seed which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. Now, it is interesting that they speak of Judah and Tamar and Pharaoh's because here is where this whole thing, this particular law, I mentioned earlier that one of Judah's sons married Tamar. He died without having any children. Judah gave the other son. He died without having any children. Judah then was reluctant to give his third son. Wait until he grows up. He's too young. And after a period of waiting and all, Judah hadn't come through with the third son. So, as I said, Tamar took things in her own hands. What she did is she put on the, the, the clothes of a prostitute. And she went out and sat there at a place in the path where Judah was walking by, and Judah, she was all veiled, had the garb of a prostitute on, he thought she was a prostitute, and he said, uh, he propositioned her, and she said, well, what will you pay me? And he said, well, I'll give you a, a little goat out of the flocks. And she said, well, how do I know you'll come through with it? And he said, well, I'll give you my ring as a pledge. So he came in unto Tamar, had relations with her, and gave her his ring as a pledge that he would send back a goat to her. That was what he propositioned for. So Tamar took off the clothes of a prostitute 
went back home, was pregnant. And he sent Judas and his servant back to get his ring back with a young little goat. And the guy came and he looked and there was no prostitute sitting there at this area where Judas said she, you know, was. And so the, he said to the guys around there, where's the prostitute that usually hangs out here? He said, There's no prostitute that hangs out here. So he came back to Judas and he said, hey, I couldn't find any. And the fellow said, there's no prostitute that hangs out around there. So Judah said, oh, well, let it go. Then word came to Judah, your daughter-in-law, Tamar, is pregnant. He said, bring her forth, we'll stone her. <laughs> and so she came forth, and she held out the ring, and she said, by the man who owns this ring, am I pregnant? Now, you see, it was the obligation of a kinsman to raise up a child for the dead sons. Judah was trapped by the young gal into doing it. And he acknowledged that she was, you know, you're more righteous than I am. I was really withholding, you're more righteous than I am. And the son that was born was called Pharez. And he became a part of the line of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And so he was also of the line of Elimelech. Coming on down, he was one of the ancestors of Elimelech. And so the people said, here's a similar situation. An older man fulfilling the kinsman part raising up a son, and, and may the Lord bless you, and may she be like Tamar who bore Pharez. May you have a son, and may there be a progeny that comes forth, a blessed progeny that comes forth from this relationship. And so the people in, in their uh, congratulations to him go back into his own ancestry to a somewhat similar Situation, at least the situation where the kinsman raised up the family name uh, for those uh, who had died. And so let your house be like the house of Pharez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, of the seed which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife, and when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception. She bare a son. And the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be Jehovah, which has not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine old age for thy daughter-in-law which loves thee, which is better to thee than seven sons hath born him. So Naomi, who said, call me bitter, is now experiencing really the blessings and the joy of a grandson, knowing now that the family's name, the family's name is not going to die. And, and they're saying, may he be a blessing unto you and so forth and a nourisher of your old age. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her, in her bosom and became a nurse unto it. And actually she wet nursed then her little grandson 
which uh, was a very common thing in those days. And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name saying, there is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed, which means worshiper. And he is the father of Jesse, who is the father of David. So the grandfather of David, who became king of Israel, this is the parentage and all. Now these are the generations of Pharaohs. He begat Hezron, Hezron begat Ram, Ram begat Abinadab, and Abinadab begat Nashon, Nashon begat Salmon, Salmon begat Boaz, Boaz begat Obed, Obed begat Jesse, Jesse begat David. So 10 generations are listed from Pharaohs unto David. So we have the background of the genealogy of David, which also becomes the background of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. For Christ came through the genealogy of David, which came through the genealogy of Pharaoh, who was born of Tamar by Judah in this unsavory kind of a situation. And here you have a Moabitess, who were cursed by God as far as the children of Israel were concerned, who could not come into the house of God to the 10th generation, and here happens to be 10 generations listed to David. And, and so you, you have the line of Christ so that no matter what your background, you can always identify with him. You say, well, my relatives weren't the you know, nicest people in the block. Well, neither were his. And thus, each man can identify with Jesus Christ in a unique and special way. Even as Boaz was the kinsman redeemer, fulfilled the law, redeemed the property in order to get the bride, so Jesus Christ is our kinsman redeemer. He became a man in order that he might be next of kin to man, in order that he could redeem man. It was necessary for him, in order to be the kinsman redeemer, the goel, to become a man. That was an essential. That is why the incarnation, so that as a man, he could be a kinsman redeemer to redeem man, because the earth had been sold by Adam to Satan. Now the whole deal has been wrapped up in a scroll and it's sealed with seven seals. Satan now rules the world. It's his. It belongs to him. He took it from Adam. Or Adam actually sold out to Satan. Jesus came to redeem the world back to God to pay the price of the redemption, which was his own blood, his death. Now in Hebrews it says, and God has put all things in subjection unto him, Jesus Christ, but we do not yet see all things in subjection unto him. We don't see the whole thing yet established as it's going to be the kingdom age. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels in order that he might suffer death 
crowned with glory and honor, waiting really for that day in which the earth is to be redeemed back to God. Now, there is a period of time in the history of Israel when Saul was king over Israel. And because of his disobedience to God, God said to Samuel, go down to the house of Jesse and anoint one of his sons to be the king. And so Samuel came down to the house of Jesse and the first son, Eliab, came in, good-looking, big, strong guy. And Samuel said, wow, what a good-looking, surely this is the one God wants. And the Lord said, hey, no, no. You look on the outward appearance, but I look on the heart. And so one by one, Jesse prayed his sons through and the Lord didn't bear witness to any of them. And finally Samuel said, is that all the boys you've got? <laughs> I've got one more, but he's just a kid. He's, he's out there watching his sheep. I didn't figure he was of any account. Well, bring him in. We went out and whistled. David came running in, sweaty and dirty. And the Lord said to Samuel, that's the one. Samuel took this cruise of oil and poured it over David's head and this little kid standing there and oil running down him and he didn't know what was going on, you know. But God anointed him king over Israel. Now what happened? Did Saul suddenly abdicate the throne and David sitting out? Oh, no, no, no. Saul now began to try to destroy David. He attempted to kill him. He attempted to drive him and ultimately drove him out of the country. For Saul was trying to hang on to that which was no longer rightfully his. And he was doing his best by force to hold on to that which didn't belong to him anymore. Now we have a sequel to that. The world in technically belongs to Jesus. He redeemed it. He paid the price. And yet we do not yet see all things in subjection unto him. Satan is still hanging on, doing his best by force to drive Jesus out, to hang on to that which is no longer rightfully his, to hold by force that which is no longer rightfully his. But the day is coming, as is recorded in the fifth chapter of the book of Revelation, when this scroll with the seven seals will be brought forth and the angel will declare who is worthy to take this scroll and to loose the seals. And Jesus will step forth as a lamb that had been slain. He'll take this scroll out of the right hand of God. As the church sings his praises, worthy is the lamb to take the scroll and to loose the seals, for he was slain and has redeemed us by his blood. This word redemption again. He's redeemed us by his blood out of all of the nations, tribes, tongues, and people, and hath made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign with him upon the earth. And then as you go through the book of Revelation, you see him beginning to break the seals. And in the 10th chapter, he comes back upon the earth, sets one foot upon the earth, one upon the sea, holds up the scroll that is now open, the title deed showing his rights as they declare the kingdoms of this world have now become the kingdoms of our Lord. And he begins his reign. There shall be no longer a delay. And he begins his reign over the earth. He takes that which is rightfully his, lays claim to it, and establishes God's kingdom 
upon the earth. And so here you have in, in, in the history of Israel, and it, actually in the history of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, a little foreshadowing of the future when Jesus comes as King of kings and Lord of lords to take that which is rightfully his. But the whole transaction, as, as Boaz had the elders of the city there, and they went through this whole thing, so the 24 elders gathered in heaven around the throne as this legal transaction takes place. And, of course, we will be gathered there too because we got to sing this song because only we can sing it. As this whole thing is consummated there in heaven. Oh, I can hardly wait. You know, Satan has had his day. You look at the world today and you see the results of rebellion against God. Oh, Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of 1 Samuel on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Ruth 4 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. Father, we thank you for the hope of thy soon coming kingdom, thy return for your church and our being gathered together with thee around the throne of God when you take that authority and dominion that is rightfully yours because you died. Your blood was shed for our redemption. Lord, give us that strength that we need, that guidance that we need, that wisdom that we need in the meantime as we, Lord, seek to represent you and your kingdom in this foreign territory. In Jesus' name we pray. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Want to know how to gain wisdom from God? Then don't miss out on Wisdom for Today by Pastor Chuck Smith. Hi, this is Cheryl Broderson. Growing up, I had the wonderful privilege of spending every morning with my dad. And every morning he would impart to me just a little bit of God's wisdom. 
Now you can have that same opportunity if you pick up my father's devotional, Wisdom for Today. It's a 365-day trip through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and each day ends with a special prayer incorporating what you learn into your heart. That's Wisdom for Today. I pray that you have a wonderful journey with my Father. The gift of wisdom is priceless. Be sure to order Wisdom for Today by Pastor Chuck Smith as a gift for yourself or for a friend. Call the word for today at 1-800-272-9673. That's 1-800-272-9673. Or to read a sample, visit thewordfortoday.org.